Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dear Writer podcast. Hopefully everyone's had a really great month since we talked to you last. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Yes, welcome. How's your past month been going, Sarah? It's been pretty good. I, um, I've been editing The Price of Pandemonium. And at first I struggled with some of the early chapters, but in the end I didn't need to change too much. And small changes seem to have made it a lot more polished. So I've just been deepening some character emotions and making sure that their thoughts are consistent with their feelings because there's been (laughs) a few inconsistencies come up. Yeah. It's good that there haven't had to be any large changes. It's always a bit of a relief. Yeah. Sometimes you read through and you think, oh gosh, that needs a lot of work. But then with the small changes, everything seems to be pulling it together more. Yeah. That's good. How's your month been for for writing? It's been, I think it's been quite up and down. I started off by reading Darkness Set Us Free for the first time as like from start to the end, which I found quite enjoyable. There was a lot of parts that, you know, small parts I had forgotten that were in there. Because you remember like the overall plot line and everything, but sometimes there's little events. Yes, yeah tiny little ones that you forget or like little sentences that someone says and you're like oh my gosh that's really (laughs) funny or I really enjoyed that but now I'm editing it which has been significantly slower I think mostly mostly because I've been really busy grant writing and everything but also the main problem I think I've been having is whenever I try and make a small change to a sentence it then has a massive effect on the other sentences and paragraphs that come afterwards so it's been a bit of a struggle when I find something that doesn't quite sound right or maybe needs to be just altered a little bit I then have to spend what feels like an hour just trying to make that sentence not change the meaning of the entire text that follows afterwards because there's like repeated words and all of that so it's been it's been fine though mostly yes I remember those <laughs> issues having them <laughs> darkness set us free it's like every single word you change is suddenly like hang on a second yeah you're like oh but it kind of then <laughs> changes the meaning later on do I really want to change that yeah. but this does not quite sound right so something needs to change so you just kind of sit there staring at your document trying to make it sound better I don't know but apart from that there aren't any huge issues or anything so it's it's mostly okay I've been enjoying it. Yeah, a bit of a change from Price of Pandemonium. The characters are definitely a lot more emotional, like a lot more emotional. (laughs) Yes. You can really see the deterioration from the first books when they're a bit more lighthearted. And in the third book, it's like nothing's okay anymore (laughs) and it never will be. (laughs) That's the most depressing part. They've just decided that it's never going to get better. They've like resigned themselves (laughs) to the fact that no... This world, uh, this war is horrible. This world is horrible. My life is horrible. There's no way out. Hide in the dark. 
writing a book, it almost feels like a bit of a social experiment. You take a bunch of different personalities and put them into this awful situation and you're like, let's see what happens. <laughs> Turns out they get really depressed. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh. <laughs> so I think we will move on to our question and our main discussion, which is, is there such a thing as too much research? I feel both of us can probably agree that research is important and you have to do it. Yes. But I guess the real question is how much do you have to do? Yeah, you definitely need to do some because if you don't know anything about your character's world or just in general how something works that you personally don't have experience in, then that's going to come through and you're going to get some readers who do have experience and for them it's going to ruin the entire experience of reading your book. They're going to look at it and they'll probably be pulled totally out of the storyline and start questioning your abilities as a writer. So <laughs> I do think some, experience, uh, some research is required to create the illusion of that experience. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. It's very similar to when I'm doing research for my job in the lab. Anyways, even when I start a new project, I don't just jump right in without having done any background research at all. You sort of need to know where things stand, what's been done, what hasn't been done to give you a plan going forward, which I, you can probably apply to a novel as well. Yeah. yeah. Doing some background reading, even just to do with the genre or the type of book you're writing before you even get into the actual parts of the story and the plot and all that stuff that you setting that you also have to research. But the main question we we're going to talk about today was, can you do too much of it? <laughs> what do you think about that, Sarah? I definitely think you can do too much of it. I think it comes down to what is relevant and what your character needs to know and how much you need to note in order to be able to describe the setting and describe the world. Not everything that you research, especially if you're doing a lot of research, if you do include all of that research in the book, it's going to be sort of a bit too heavy on the information side of things. And if you don't, what is your point in doing it? Are you wasting time when you could be writing? So there is, I think, a line that needs to be drawn when it comes to researching and writing. I mostly agree, except because I research all the time for work. I don't think you can do too much research. I always find the more you know about something, the more, I guess for writing perspective, the more accurate you can be in its description. But I definitely agree with what you put in. Like you should only put in the bare minimum. But if you can get a really, really good sense of whatever your world, your building is, that's great as long as it doesn't become your entire existence <laughs> researching. Yeah, I think maybe, and I'm sure you will probably agree with this as far as a research scientist perspective, is it comes down to defining what it is you need to research. Because if you have such a broad view of, like, you want to research every entire thing in the world that you're creating... That, that would be a bit excessive. 
really struggling to think of an example, but you don't need to include every tiny detail of how they pick up a fork or go to the toilet or something. <laughs> if it's weird aliens that do it a different way or something, you're not going <laughs> to necessarily, I mean, maybe you might, but that would be a very strange book. <laughs> Probably more just getting across the fact that they're different rather than having to painstakingly go through every single type of their behavior to explain why they're different. Although I don't really know how you'd go across researching that if, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, but you get my point, right? Like, <laughs> you have to define your focus. Yes. Because otherwise you end up on these crazy tangents and it takes you forever to get back to the actual point kind of like what we're doing at the moment yes. off on a weird tangent <laughs> targeted research targeted research strange aliens and their toileting <laughs> behaviors <laughs> i don't know why i thought of that i like that that was where your mind went you're like ah yes a great example <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're looking behaviors of aliens <laughs> yeah I, I guess also researching can become procrastination for actually writing for some people yes i can see that my husband dan he may not be a hundred percent on but he you know he would like to get into writing as well but he is a person who really wants to know all the facts before setting pen to paper and he also doesn't have very much extra time so he hires out tons of books off from the library and he's got he's he is developing an idea in his head but the impatient part of me because I'm more of a sort of doing person and I take a more relaxed methodology to my research so I see all these books in the lounge and I'm like when are you gonna start this it's been like a year <laughs> And I think it also makes it bigger. The task of writing it makes it seem like really huge because you're like, oh, I've got all this information now. Where do I start? What do you think about that, Ashley? I definitely agree with the researching to procrastinate. I do it at work all the time. I'll be doing something, I'll get stuck. You know, just, you know, go sit at my desk. And I'm like, aha. The best way to get around this problem is to spend five hours in the literature reading about it and maybe the answer will just come to me. It doesn't happen that way ever. Or you end up going down ridiculous rabbit holes. Ugh. Like me with my study. <laughs> I do the same thing. I'll be like sitting there. I have to read this gigantic textbook for my study. And meanwhile, my brain's trying to make all these links, but then it goes down memory lane constantly as well while I'm reading and researching and stuff. And so I'll be reading a section on drowning, for example, and my brain will go back to the time when we were all forced to jump off a bridge in intermediate school. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> And then part of me is indignant. How dare they force us to jump off a bridge? They were trying to show us how to look out for dangers in the water and all this kind of thing. But part of that was apparently that every single one of us, even if we didn't want to, had to jump off a bridge several meters into a river. I would have hated that so much. Yeah. So, you know, you get stuck down all these rabbit holes when you're reading that it becomes a very lengthy process. It happened to me literally just on on Friday. So 
I'm meant to be lecturing from next week and I've been given about 100 slides for 10 lectures of material that isn't mine. So I don't know any of the content. And obviously it's a university course, so I should know the content. So I've been going through each slide, doing a bit of research just to check the facts so I get a good picture. I got to one, it's about environmental like chemistry and the environment and how it's bad. And so the first thing I thought of was, ah, chemical disasters. Those are bad for the environment. So I did some research. I found one. And then, of course, I couldn't just stop at one. So I went through like the entire history of chemical plant disasters from 1979 all the way to the mid-90s. And two hours later, I just I got a tea and I just said to myself, I need to stop. This is so unhelpful. I'm going to talk to them for an hour in the lecture all about chemical disasters and make no progress in any of the actual lecture content. So, yeah. <laughs> Your students will be well-versed on chemical disasters and looking after the environment. <laughs> Some real good ones. I will definitely get my point across <laughs> that hazardous waste disposal should be more regulated than it is is the point but <laughs> take us a long way to get there also just on a side note has anyone watched chernobyl <laughs> i haven't watched it yet i want to i was addicted to that series i want to i although i did go down a chernobyl rabbit hole before the show came out i spent two hours at work because i was learning about radiation so obviously that's sort of where naturally where it went and i spent two hours like in depth reading reports about chernobyl and it disturbed me to my very core like some of the stuff that those workers went through to like save thousands and thousands of people's lives and so I like felt too emotionally raw to watch it <laughs> I need to calm down yeah it's crazy but I think I'll watch it soon James is pretty keen it's quite a bleak series <laughs> anyways sorry I'm like the queen of sidetracking <laughs> I'll take us back to the point of our talk. <laughs> we were talking about procrastinating, which obviously we both do. Another, I think another problem about doing research is when you just start researching to research, which I think also happens. You have the best intentions. It's not necessarily procrastinating, but I find this sometimes. I was like, ah, I should do some research for this. <laughs> so I will research for the sake of doing it when I probably could just I could just write it without without it come back to it later if I find something that I need you know I find something that's missing or I need to check and still so be like no I must research this <laughs> for some reason I don't know yeah so I think that begs the question when should you stop researching I <laughs> I usually despite working as a researcher when I research a book I'm not as bad mostly because I just want to write but I think you stop researching once you have a good idea of your setting well I guess we'll talk about like starting a book I think is the probably the easiest way you start writing a book once you can see your setting and you know the basic structure of the world that you're writing about I think you don't need every single detail in place. You just need a rough idea so that you can describe it to someone and they can see it through your words. I think probably there's some things that you definitely need. Number one is you need rules of your world. Like, are you in the normal world? Are you in a science fiction kind of world? Is it the future? Is it the past? And is that going to change, for example, political... Um, the political landscape? of your world 
yeah so you know will it change any of that and will that make the characters act differently and how will that shape the character so because there's always going to be certain things if you're doing like a more dystopian or science fiction that is going to be different from our world so you need to be able to pinpoint which things are different so that you don't you're not changing rules all over the place because otherwise like the readers come into it and then once you set out the rules they expect those rules to be followed through so then if you change them in the middle of the book later then the the readers can sometimes feel cheated because that they've expected a certain situation and then that's not what they've got. <laughs> this, this wasn't a thing. Why is this a thing now? That's not fair. Yeah. So I think that's one important thing. The other important thing is being able to sort of visually see the space in your mind. And that doesn't need to be the entire book. It could just be the first chapter that you start off and you're like, okay, what is this scene looking like? And you can do that chapter by chapter. You don't need to know the entire setting and the entire like stage where everything's moving and changing in order to be able to write that first chapter, right? So I think that would be the minimum basics is knowing your scene and knowing the rules. Yeah, definitely. I think both very good points. Very good points. No one wants to read a book where suddenly the entire world that you set up at the beginning changes chapter to chapter because the writer hasn't decided how they want to run their little world that they've created. Yeah. I mean, you can do, that's not to say that you can't make a twist happen, but I don't think you can change the rule. Like you've got to work within the rules in order to be able to make that twist. And also that changes the believability of it as well, because if you're in the normal world and then suddenly someone finds the ability to fly halfway through the book if you haven't been building up to that i guess (laughs) obviously there there could be like a weird thing that you've hinted to at the start which in that case you know the rules are still in place at the start it's just that they haven't been fully revealed but um there's a name for it what do they call it deus ex machina am i even saying that right yeah yeah. i don't know how to say it but i know exactly what you're talking about it's latin isn't it yes (laughs) basically that's like you know someone comes in and saves the day in the middle or the end and then everything's okay it's not an effective way of closing your book (laughs) so now that we know well we've had a bit of a discussion about how much research you do maybe we should ask how do you research Sarah, when you're writing a book, what's your method? I said before, I'm quite relaxed about the whole research thing. What I tend to do is, yeah, I sit down at the computer because I get really impatient and I'm like, I want to write. The writing's the most exciting part for me. I don't really enjoy the researching as much. So I'll sit there and try and imagine the scene. And if I can imagine the scene, I'll start writing. If I can't, then I might go off and do a bit of research especially if it's about a specific era or specific words that might be different to the the language that I typically use, then I will do a little bit of research to try and get my head space into that kind of feeling and bring out that particular vocabulary because otherwise I find it quite hard to give it that feel of sort of putting myself into the setting. So I might do a little bit, but sort of only until I can feel that I can see the scene. Once I do that, I start writing and I find for me, it's really the editing that I will 
pick up inconsistencies and or I'll read something specific and I'll be like well I haven't quite explained this fully because I hadn't they didn't have the information there I think I need to research about this specific thing to be able to put that into the book and doing it that way you do come across situations where you're writing along and then you get kind of stuck and you're like oh I don't know how to explain this and that's when I'll <laughs> go on a side path and and start doing a bit of researching and then I'll come back so I'm quite as you go kind of person <laughs> how about you Ashley I tend I tend to do a little bit more research at the beginning so for those to put this into context for people who well you, most of you probably don't know this but Sarah and I have one series that's teen fiction based in our world and not so distant future where you know most things are similar to as they are now so not too much research is required the other book we have is adult fiction and it's historical fiction set in ancient Greece so that involves a lot of research. So I think most of what I'll talk about is about that book just because it's slightly more relevant to the discussion. So I usually will do a bit of research at the start. So for example, if we are in a city in ancient Greece that we haven't been in before, I will first of all research the city. Not, not too extensively, but to the point where I know the layout because often they'll, you can find old maps and things. I know the layout. I know what the, you know, where the town square is. I know where my character is going. I know the demographic of people that are there so that once I start, then I can see the city. I know what's going on and, you know, can write away. But I don't go overboard with that. So I'll maybe read a couple articles, look at a few maps, and then I'll dip, like dive right into it. And then usually I research as I go. So, you know, the character's walking through the streets and she sees some Spartan soldiers. And then I'm like, something like, ah, but what do they look like? Because I'm not actually sure what they wear. And that's when I'll like go research, come back, like, they look like this, blah, blah, blah. And she continues on. So that's sort of how I do it, which yeah, it works. I don't know if it's the best way, but it works. Yeah. I remember doing a bit of research on like <laughs> geography of ancient Greece. <laughs> I was like, cause there's like this narrow neck of land and now it's got highways and stuff all through it. And I was like, what would it have looked like back then? So I had to do like a whole bunch of research. But again, I always just wait until I need it. And I'll be like sitting there at the start of the chapter thinking, I can't even see this because my brain kind of works more like on a, a movie kind of basis. And so there's like scenes that pop up and I'll be like, <laughs> scene one <laughs> opens with, <laughs> yeah. If I can't see the scene, I can't write the book. <laughs> I remember one of the things I got quite stuck on was I, I put our character to bed in ancient Greece. He goes into the room and goes to bed. And then suddenly I just realized, but what is bed in ancient Greece? <laughs> do they have beds? What do the beds look like? Are they on the ground? Are they in the air? And then suddenly I was just like, this is too much. I've done a massive bed rabbit hole trying to figure out just so I could have him. <laughs> I went down a bathroom rabbit hole. <laughs> I was like, do they have bathrooms? Because you think about like medieval England, which is a totally different kind of scenario. But I found it fascinating that the ancient Greece and sort of noble households, they actually had bathrooms. Whereas like, you know, meanwhile, medieval England, they're still <laughs> using like privies out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Just washing themselves with buckets and <laughs> yeah. had baths. So 
I was like, did they have bars? Yes, they did. <laughs> I went down a songbird rabbit hole as well because the characters, it's early morning. She's, you know, listening and she hears birds. And I was like, wait, do they have songbirds? That is the first question because I've got to get this right. And then I'm looking and it's very hard to tell if they had songbirds back in 400 BC because a lot have been brought in and live in Greece and I was like this is too much I'm just gonna say there was like I heard a nice song from a bird and I'm not gonna specify what bird it is for now because it was taking way too long <laughs> no wonder it takes us so long to write a chapter sometimes <laughs> way too way too into it yeah. I did have a thought actually and I was kind of thinking about the levels of character knowledge and how much you need to know in order to be able to write is your character an expert and it's about description versus functionality so because it's easy enough to research something and try and try to describe it but then if your character is in a specific role how much do they know about the functionality of like an item or something (laughs) i think that's those are the ones that take the longest and almost the ones that i focus on more (laughs) to try and get right (laughs) It's not necessarily how something looks, but how it functions. And I had that with our recent <laughs> book with military radios. <laughs> Trying to work that out was challenging. <laughs> not that they, I even needed to put it in the book, which sometimes I think that's probably the one sort of scenario where you might research something slightly more deeply than what you would actually put in the book because you can't put even a shallow level of that knowledge in unless you know a bit more in depth I think sometimes definitely reminds me of old English essays too sort of questions that they asked you at school like they used to have this thing for us of like describe explain and discuss questions which is the New Zealand certificate of educational achievement that's how they teach things describe explain and discuss and so I think you've got to work out what level that your character is working on (laughs) are they at the describe level are they at the explain level or are they at the discuss level that's funny that makes sense though once you have that yeah once you have that like you've kind of worked out their knowledge then you can work out how much you need to research I had a very similar problem like that because in one of our books our characters hotwire a car but it's not from the perspective of the character hotwiring the car. It's from someone else. You had to do it twice, actually. <laughs> I had to do it twice in two back-to-back chapters as well. So first of all, okay, how do you how do you hotwire a car? So WikiHow has quite a good description on how to hotwire a car, and it tells you the types of cars that can be hotwired, and then also has a disclaimer: do not hotwire a car unless it is your own car, which is hilarious. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> that's funny. It was really good. But yeah, so it was figuring out a way for the character describing what happens, who has no idea how to hotwire a car, how she describes someone who kind of knows what they're doing, hotwire a car. So that was sort of an interesting yeah, toss yeah. Up, which I then had to do twice. Because then you don't really need to go into as much depth as if like you were the actual character hotwiring the car. But exactly, you do still need to have make it look like he knows what he's doing. And she's observing that, right? Yes, yes. It's the weird, the stuff you accumulate in the knowledge of writing a book. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Well, maybe we should move on to our mistakes of the month then. Yes, I'm so excited for this this month. (laughs) 
<laughs> would you like to start, Sarah? Yes, I would like to start. Hang on, I'll just get my little piece of paper here. Um, so I had the most amazing mistake of the month. It made me cry with laughter. And then I told Ashley and because it was such a little mistake, she didn't get it at first. And I totally I missed like, it. That is not the level of reaction I was looking for. <laughs> To be fair, I was in the lab doing chemistry, so I didn't, I like quickly skimmed it. But anyways, so it's one of our characters in sort of our series that we're writing, Levi, and he has a bit of a crush on this other character, but he's quite a gentleman, and it's really still at that kind of, they're still a bit shy. So I was quite surprised (laughs) to come across this particular sentence. He was describing how she looked. And he said, but her leggings, we ripped at the knees. (laughs) It was kind of that, like, I knew what it meant. It was supposed to be her leggings were ripped at the knees. And then it goes on to talk about her alluring patches of skin. Um, (laughs) Because her outfit was kind of in shambles. But (laughs) I just, I couldn't get over that mistake. Her leggings, we ripped at the knees. Like he was like, involved in the writing. <laughs> and what was even weirder is it seemed kind of kinky because, you know, the knees isn't really <laughs> a spot where you typically try and get at someone. <laughs> oh my God. I was laughing so hard. Yes, once I realized what was wrong, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Especially that it's like a we, so it's not even just him. It was a joint effort. They're desperate. <laughs> Would you like to enlighten us on your favorite mistake of the month? Sure. I've actually found a couple since we did this uh, outline. It's actually an amusing autocorrect that happened. So I think it's Grace again. She's whispering to someone. And it was supposed to be whispered furiously. But it autocorrected to ferociously. And I was like, oh, my God the ro- total wrong connotation and I can't even imagine someone whispering ferociously either Ferocious. <laughs> so was, that was one of my favorites that I found I was like oh my gosh I don't think this is meant to be that <laughs> so watch out for autocorrect people <laughs> oh dear another thing that I did which wasn't really a mistake but it's quite hilarious because it I guess it grew from a mistake, kind of. When we first started writing again and I was editing The Price of Pandemonium the first time around, I realized that there's quite a few references to people assuming that there is a cat. (laughs) Someone moves quietly and, I don't know, the soldiers are just like, it must have been a cat. (laughs) And I was like, you know, it would be funny if one day it actually was a cat. So it created this cat. We call him Mr. Tibble. He's not always the same cat. But it's just, you know, that's what we've named all the cats in our book is just now Mr. (laughs) Tibbles. I was editing this section recently where we'd added in a bit to try and change the tension because part of the book closer to the end didn't feel like it had enough going on and enough action in it. So we added in the scene. So what happened was that it then changed it from we had a really slow paced chapter and then it went to like breakneck speed <laughs> within 
not even a paragraph. They're just chatting. They're like really calm. And then it's like, bam. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can understand that happening because they're kind of surprised. But then at the same time, I wanted to try and build the tension. So I was like, oh, maybe they can almost see something and then think that it's nothing and then have something happen so that it kind of builds that tension. And so I added Mr. Tibbles in again. <laughs> I love Mr. Tibbles. I like Mr. Tibbles too. So I also had another amusing autocorrect mistake. It's been most of my mistakes recently. So I had <laughs> soldiers were supposed to be pursuing some characters, but when I actually looked closer at what word was written, it was perusing instead of pursuing so it's like the soldiers I know so I felt like the soldiers were like window shopping our characters in a mall or something they were perusing us I was like oh no oh no this is great (laughs) which one should I take out with my gun maybe Um, that one maybe the one on the left (laughs) no no that's not quite my style (laughs) guess I'll reiterate watch out for autocorrect (laughs) anyways did you have anything else i had another i did so i found another one recently so do you ever when you're reading through stuff you've written try and imagine what you have written so say it's like she i don't know catapulted herself like over the fence and you think about it and you're like (laughs) it's a bit aggressive but i can make that slide you know so i came across one Uh, when I was editing before and originally I thought nothing of it it was I helped Grace get into her heavy pack and then I thought about it and all I had was this vision of Grace being like shoved into a backpack and zipped in oh no and then I couldn't get past it I did rewrite it and help I helped Grace put on her heavy pack but just I just I was like you know it'd probably be fine no one would notice yeah but then I noticed and all I could imagine was her being into a backpack so I decided it's literal mistakes yeah most of them I can kind of work out which ones I'm being like too facetious about (laughs) but certain things begin to jump out at me when I've been editing too long because I start reading everything totally literally one of these things has been his face dropped (laughs) (laughs) yes It's a fine sentence. There's nothing wrong with it. I've seen it written in a billion other books. No problem. But then when you've edited something so much, eventually you just start getting these visions of someone's face literally like dropping off onto the ground (laughs) or his eyes dropped or someone. Wonk. (laughs) (laughs) It's false. Well, clearly I was just getting a bit too edited out. (laughs) (laughs) I needed a break from editing. Oh, the ed- I can't wait till we start writing again. I'm getting so sick of editing. <laughs> Me too. I can't Me stop too. seeing weird things. And then like when you <laughs> word search something, often I'll edit out that or just. For example, when you go through an entire document <laughs> for that, it comes up so many times and after a while you start seeing the word differently and you're like that 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 
that's a really strange word. <laughs> I'm sure every writer has had this issue before, but there's certain yes. words, like, when you look at them so much, they're just really, really strange. Uh, my issue is, for some reason, the word friend. Whenever I look at it, I just friend. find, like, it sounds longer than it actually is, <laughs> and I can't get past it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I always say it, and I'm like, is it spelt right? I feel like it should be longer. <laughs> it's not so I always have it's yeah it's really terrible I always have to google the spelling to make sure it's right it's really embarrassing but anyway speaking of over editing I do have a cautionary tale which I discovered so it's the New Zealand election coming up uh in September and so we were all mailed out our enrollment like enroll to vote papers so it tell you know sends out you're enrolled to vote in this electorate if you're not please fill in you know this uh, enroll to vote form and mail it back with the signed declaration and when I looked at the declaration there was a spelling mistake and I couldn't get past it so it was meant to say all the information I have provided is true and correct except I spelt provided wrong and instead wrote provided like p-r-i-v-i-d-e-d and it outraged me because they have had this document for like three years. Probably longer. It's probably from previous elections. Before they sent it out. It's been three years. Since it's three years between elections. Did no one read it? Did it not underline and read on word? Because it autocorrected for me. And when I tried to write the mistake, like in our uh, show plan, I had to like undo it because it was so incorrect. You're the government. You should be able to spell the word provided correctly in a declaration. And then I was like, is that declaration even valid then? Who knows, right? Like, because it's not even, have you provided or provid? what even is provided? I don't know. Anyways. I also had a similar issue. So, as I said, I've been reading basically cover to cover this gigantic textbook. It's a nursing textbook, and so obviously some information is quite important to people's livelihoods. I came across the worst mistake I have ever seen in a textbook. I come across like grammatical and spelling errors on the regular in these textbooks, and I just skip past them now. It used to frustrate me, and the editing part of my brain is always just like, oh yeah, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, whatever. I can't change it. <laughs> Anyways, this one thing wasn't a grammatical error. It was actually like a factual error <laughs> about donating blood. That's bad. From one blood type to a different blood type. Like if you donated blood to that blood type, you'd cause like a, they call it a severe hemolytic reaction where your blood cells clump up because that it's the wrong type of blood. <laughs> oh my God. And you know, you can, can cause you to go into kidney failure, like all this other stuff to happen. You can die within seven to 12 days. <laughs> and this information was wrong. And so initially I started doubting myself. I was like, well, have I got it wrong? You know, like this isn't a textbook. <laughs> and I was like, but that means that for years I've been operating on this wrong assumption and I've been checking bloods to go into people. And... <laughs> So I was understandably kind of panicked. Fair enough. I'd be panicked too. I had to look it up in several textbooks. I got out all my other textbooks, looked up on the internet, even though I was fairly certain I was right. But at the same time, I was like slightly disturbed. <laughs> Turns out I was right. I wrote an email to the editor, this random lady in the US. Oh my gosh, did she reply? <laughs> I looked up her through a university email. <laughs> 
and was like, I have spotted a concerning error. <laughs> I was that annoying person. But it's in a textbook though, like people learn from that. So you're teaching them wrong. I know. It, apparently they'd already changed it in uh, the next edition. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> but she was quite thankful and quite happy that I contacted her. So that made me feel better because I felt like I was being, you know, that really annoying person who's like, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, but you've got this wrong. <laughs> so, so that was good. But at the same time, the first email that she sent back as well <laughs> was borderline. I almost couldn't understand it because <laughs> there were so many errors oh, in no. her email. Oh, no. And I was like, oh my God, you're an editor. <laughs> but I mean, she was, she seemed like a very nice person. And I know from experience that when you're writing emails, sometimes it doesn't matter quite as much. Even if you are like a writer or an editor, you're just like, whatever, it's not a big deal. She probably didn't really think much of me, a random nurse. So she probably didn't care that much. (laughs) She was like, oh, she won't notice. But yeah, I was like, wow, (laughs) I pull you up on an error and this is the email I get back. Sorry, it's a bit of a double over to my my coming up blog post because that annoyed me so much. But yeah, anyways, we should probably wrap this up, I think. Yes. So if any of you guys have a mistake of the month you want to share, email us, email it in. You can contact us on our website, lindersoncreations.com. I'd love to hear some of your mistakes instead of rehashing over all of ours. <laughs> They're funny though. Really curious to see like what things people would come up with so if you do want to email in we'd be so excited to hear from you (laughs) yes i'll say that um next time on dear writer we're going to be talking about the dangers of over editing which should be a very interesting discussion yes (laughs) i think both of us feel like we might be in that phase right now yeah it's a very fine line for me at the moment (laughs) so we hope you all enjoyed today's discussion yeah and if you want to know anything more about us or our writing projects you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or on instagram or on facebook yes and i have been more active on instagram so there's more to see recently which is exciting (laughs) anyways happy writing everyone and we will see you all next time bye